0: Hello, and good evening to everyone. Well, afternoon, depending on where you are in the world. Today, we have a really, really important topic, and I have the pleasure of having with me uh, Gert van den Bosch from uh, Belgium. The difference is that Gert is truly an international vaccine developer and he's here to share some very important and unique perspectives on where we are now in terms of the COVID pandemic. So, pleasure to have you here with me, Garrett. How are you? I'm fine, thanks for uh, having me, Philip. Wonderful, wonderful. Listen, I mean, I think the first thing that we have to clarify is that we have to explain you are someone who is in the vaccine development um, business, so to speak what has that background been like
1: well i have a background uh, essentially in as far as uh, vaccines are concerned in uh, industry as well as in the non-for-profit sector so i have been working with the building Gates foundation Gavi, especially concentrating on uh, vaccines for global health Mm -hmm. And uh, I've also been working with several different uh, companies, vaccine companies, uh, developing, uh, of course, um, uh, essentially prophylactic vaccines. And my uh, main focus of interest has always been, in fact, the design of vaccines. Uh, So the, the concept, how can we educate the immune system in ways that are to some extent, more efficient than uh, we do right now with our conventional vaccines. Right.
0: And so in effect, this is the area of work you've been in. You develop vaccines. You are as well working with the Ebola vaccine um, as well. One of the really, really dangerous viruses we have out there in the world. Uh, how, how does that work? Is, it, is that easy to do?
1: Well, I was not, uh, let me be very clear, I was a coordinator of the Ebola program at uh, Gavi. So we were interacting with several different vaccine companies that were developing uh, Ebola vaccines because it was important for Gavi uh, to make the right choice, the right vaccine, in order uh, you know, for this vaccine to be rolled out in the uh, Western African uh, countries that had this severe uh, ebola crisis uh, back uh, a number of years ago so that was not uh, let's say operational practical work this was more a role of uh, coordination but of course was also a role of assessing what would be the impact of using some of these vaccines in larger populations and in an area where uh, an epidemic is is really is is going on because that's a very particular and peculiar situation.
0: Yes, and so in effect, we've had so much success over the past hundred years with some very big breakthroughs with vaccines: smallpox, you know, measles, mumps, rubella, um, polio. Um, But we have struggled with other vaccines, It's without going into the details, because this is very difficult to get across. But is there a difference with how viruses operate that make some easier to get a vaccine for?
1: Well, I think we have, uh, Philippe, essentially we need to distinguish, of course, between what we call acute self-limiting diseases. These are diseases that naturally Uh, come to an end in a sense that ultimately the individual will eliminate the pathogen. Of course, some people may die, of course, let's be very clear. Those who survive will ultimately eliminate the pathogen. That is the vast majority of the vaccines we have been developing so far. Uh, You know, I don't need to tell you that uh, with other viruses where uh, we we clearly see that they spread in a completely different way. They spread, for example, from cell to cell. They tend to be more intracellular. They tend to develop chronic infections where it's uh, it's not self-limiting. It's not acute self-limiting. It's chronic. It is much more difficult. And that is pr- the, the reason primarily is that um, most of the vaccines we are developing are still antibody-based vaccines. So we need these antibodies in the blood or we need these antibodies to transidate uh, to the mucosa, for example, in order to capture the pathogen and to neutralize it. So some of the other bugs, uh, I mean, they have uh, a very insidious uh, strategy in the sense that they hide in cells that they can uh, already at the mucosal barrier penetrate, you know, immediately into cells, and then the cells uh, uh, may migrate, for example, to the to the the, um, the lymph nodes. So they are shielded from the antibodies, and that makes it very very difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we know that uh, we can catch them to some extent in the blood, but what they do all the time is that they insert mutation and they escape. They, they fully escape to our antibody uh, responses. So that makes it uh, way more difficult. Uh, it, it's also the, the more or less the reason why also against cancer, etc., we have not been extremely successful with vaccines as, I would say, stand-alone uh, yes. therapy. Yeah, Absolutely, yes.
0: So it, it, it brings us into where we are with regards to COVID-19. Now, if we, we have 2020 vision at the moment, when we look back at the pandemic and where we started from, and I've always said that at the time when the pandemic started, when it got from China into Italy, into Europe, into the UK, I thought that the only way that we could manage this is to lock down and to prevent the spread of this this very dangerous virus. We do have to stand back and see whether or not those decisions were correct. But as we said, hindsight is twenty twenty. What would you say now, as we look back at the decisions we made then? Were we about on the right track? Did we make any mistakes?
1: Well, frankly speaking, from the very beginning, and I mean, there is uh, many people who can uh, witness this or testify this. I always said that it was a bad idea to do lockdowns that uh, would also affect the younger people, that we would prevent younger people from having contact, from being exposed. Because remember, the big difference back then was of course that we had uh, a viral strain covid strain that was circulating dominant strain and that was not highly in- infectious as those that we are seeing right now of course when a new virus gets into a population it immediately gets to the folks that have you know weak immunity and we know we know these people this is to a large majority of course elderly people people uh, that have underlying diseases or are otherwise uh, immune suppressed, et cetera. And um, of course, I mean, it was certainly the right thing to do to protect these people and uh, for them also to uh, isolate. But we have to distinguish, frankly, and that is what we, we have not been doing between those people that have strong innate immunity. I mean, it's not, uh, you cannot see, when you see a person, you don't know this, but we know that young people have quite decent innate immune response, and uh, therefore, they are naturally protected, and even more, I mean, if they get in contact with coronavirus, it will boost their natural immunity. So therefore, from the very beginning, i don't I, I, I was i disapproved uh you know the fact that schools uh, got closed and and universities and that uh, youngsters were preventing even from having contact with each other that situation is of course completely different if you look at vulnerable people the viruses comes in the population there is no you uh, no you um, immunity there is no immunity at all in fact so nobody has been in contact So the youngsters, they can rely on good innate immunity. Elderly people, I mean, the the innate immunity is waning. It gets increasingly replaced by antigen specific, by specific immunity as uh, people get older. So these people very, very clearly uh, needed to be protected. But uh, it has taken a lot of time before we understood, in fact, what, how, we, how exactly the new response and the virus were interacting. So there has been a lot of confusion, a lot of mistakes made. Well, mistakes, I mean, retrospectively. Um, yeah. and, and that has also led to, um, you know, bad control right from the beginning, uh, I would say. And, so, uh,
0: so with that in mind and where we are now, as, we, uh, as, as countries across the world have been drifting towards the Christmas period, there is still a rise in cases. Countries had to try and lock down mask mandates and so on. But we all had the hope that vaccines would come and break the cycle. This is where clearly now from your expertise, you seem to have a different thought about how we should have been thinking about vaccines then and even now. What, what is your perspective?
1: Well, my perspective was and still is that. Um, if you if you go to war, you better make sure that you have the right weapon and the weapon in itself can be an excellent weapon. And that is what I'm saying really about the current vaccines. I mean, it's just brilliant people who have been making these vaccines in no time and with regulatory approval and everything. So the weapon in itself is excellent. question is, is this the right weapon for the kind of war that is going on right now? And there my answer is definitely no, because these are prophylactic vaccines. And prophylactic vaccines uh, should typically not be administered to people who are exposed to high infectious pressure. So don't forget, we are administering these vaccines in the heat of a pandemic. So in other words, um, while we are preparing our weapon, we are fully attacked by the virus. The virus is everywhere. So that is a very different scenario from using such vaccines in, in a setting where the vaccinee is barely or not exposed to the virus. And I'm saying this because if you have a high infectious pressure, it's so easy for the virus to jump from one person to the other. So if your immune response, however, is just mounting, as we see right now with a number of people who get their first dose, they get their first dose, the antibodies are not fully mature, uh, titers are maybe not uh, very high. So their immune response is suboptimal, but they are in the midst of this war. While they are mounting an immune response, they're fully attacked by, uh, by the virus. And every single time, I mean, this is textbook knowledge, every single time you have uh, an immune response that is suboptimal in the presence of an infection, in the presence of a virus that infects that person, you are at risk for immune escape. So that means that the virus can escape to the immune response. And that is why I'm saying that these vaccines, I mean, in their own right are, of course, excellent but to use them in the, midst of, in the midst of a pandemic and do mass vaccination, uh, because then you provide within a very short period of time, the, the population with high antibody titers. So the virus comes under enormous pressure. I mean, that, that wouldn't matter if you can eradicate, the, if you can prevent infection. But these vaccines don't prevent infection. They protect against disease. Because we are just unfortunately, we look no further than the end of our nose in the sense that hospitalization, that's all what counts. You know, getting people away from the hospital. But in the meantime, we are not realizing that we give all the time during this pandemic by our interventions, the opportunity to escape to the immune to the immune system. And, and, and that is, of course, uh, a very, very, very dangerous thing, especially if we realize that these guys, they only need 10 hours to replicate. So if yeah. we think that by making new vaccines and new new vaccine against the, the, the new infectious strains, we are going to catch up. It's impossible to catch up. I mean, the virus is not going to wait till we have those vaccines ready. I mean, this thing continues. And as I was saying, the thing is, I mean if if you do this in the midst of a pandemic, that is that is an enormous problem. These vaccines are are excellent, but they are not made for administration to millions of people in the midst in the heat of a pandemic. So that is so my is point. Is this equivalent then? Because you mentioned this
0: in your paper, it is equivalent to using either a partial dose of antibiotics in an antimicrobial or in a bacterial infection where you then produce superbugs is this the kind of example that you're alluding to
1: well that is a very good parallel it's also the parallel i'm using actually in the paper we just posted on linkedin which you know should be so open for everybody Uh, i I mean it's pure science because uh, as you were pointing out uh, philip the thing is the rule is is very simple. I mean, same with antibiotics. Either the antibiotics do not match very well with the bug. That's not good. That's why we are making antibiograms, you know, to first identify which which is this germ, and then we choose the antibiotics. We, we need to have a very good match. Otherwise, there could be resistance. So when I compare this to the current situation, do we have a good match with our antibodies no at this point in time we don't have a good match anymore because we have this kind of like almost heterologous variants so that differ from the original strain so the match isn't very good anymore and hence we see people are still protected but they are already shedding the virus so that is one thing the other thing is the quantity, of course. You tell people, you know, you take your antibiotics according to the prescription. Please don't, uh, as soon as you feel well, that doesn't mean that, that you you can stop the antibiotics. Same here. And I give just one example. If you now give people just like one dose, I mean, they are in the process of mounting their antibodies, the antibodies still need to fully mature, etc. So this is a suboptimal situation. We are putting them in a suboptimal situation with regard to their um, immune protection and on the other hand they are in the midst of the war they are fully attacked by all you know by all these kinds of uh, highly infectious variants so i mean it's it's very clear that this is driving immune escape and will ultimately drive resistance uh, to to the vaccines so my point is yes flip it's very similar there is one difference The virus needs living cells. I mean, if you're driving immune escape, but the guy has no chance to jump on somebody else, who cares? Mm -hmm. This situation is now different because we are in the midst of a war. There is a high infectious pressure. So the likelihood that an immune escape immediately finds another living cell, that means another host, is very, very high. It's per definition. It's the definition almost of a pandemic.
0: Yeah, so it, it raises a simple question that somebody has put in, in front of us here, which is, it's perfectly common sense, what do we do?
1: That question is very easy. I mean, we need, we need to, to do a better job when we are confronted with situations that seem very dramatic like you know an epidemic our generation uh, has not you know been living in times where there are uh, epidemics or pandemics and so we immediately take action and and jump on the beast with the tools we have instead of analyzing what is really going on and one thing that uh i thought was extremely interesting was And it's something that was not really understood. We know that a number of people are asymptomatically infected, so they are infected, but they don't develop severe symptoms. Of course, they can have some mild symptoms upper respiratory disease, whatever. So the question is, what exactly happens with those folks that they can eliminate the virus, they eliminate the virus, They, they, they will transmit it. They will they will shed it for like a week or so. And then they eliminate this. Uh, you could say, yeah, of course, we know that antibodies eliminate. Oh, wait a minute. The antibodies come later. You have first this search of, you know, shedding of the virus. And it's only afterwards that you see, you know, a moderate and short lived race of antibodies. So the antibodies cannot be responsible for elimination of the virus. So what is responsible for elimination of the virus? Luckily enough, we have a number of brilliant scientists, independent brilliant scientists that have now increasingly been showing and there is increasing evidence that what in fact is happening is that NK cells are taking care of the virus. So so, so NK cells, the, the virus gets into, into these epithelial cells and starts to replicate, but NK cells get activated and they will kill they will kill the cell, you know, in which the, the, the virus tries to, to replicate. So I was um, saying that the, the virus needs to rely on a living cell. So you kill that cell. It's gone. It's all over. So, so the we, current... have the solution, we have the solution in, in the pathogenesis because some people eliminate it. Absolutely. Right?
0: So I just wanted to clarify because when you said NK cells, somebody may not quite know what you mean. So you mean uh non-killer cells. So it's a specific group of white well, blood cells.
1: Non-killer cells. Natural killer cells. natural killer cells, sorry. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yes, yes, natural killer cells, a special group of white blood cells that go and take out the virally infected cells. Yeah. Yes. This- so um yes, so yes, you're right. Is that uh, because I have seen from a clinical perspective? Uh, very old uh, patients who you would expect to be overwhelmed by the virus, and they have a few symptoms and then they're okay. So the body does manage to get rid of it in some cases. And so it raises the point that I've always been saying, is that we haven't spent enough time understanding how the virus impacts the body and understanding how the pandemic then will impact the world we've spent all of our time just going for solutions has that been a mistake
1: of course this has been the you know the the most uh, the most important mistake i think uh, i'm not sure many people and i i was part of them so in in all modesty i was part of them not sure whether many people understand how a natural Pandemic develops, and why we have this first wave, we have this second wave, and we have this third wave, and and I mean these waves of disease and uh, mortality and morbidity they shift from one population to another. So I'm saying, for example, the second wave. This was typically also the, the the case with influenza, World War One, when uh, basically more soldiers, young people uh you know died in the trenches uh, of influenza then then you know from uh, from injuries or whatever so first the elderly i mean weak immune system etc then it gets to the the wave of morbidity and mortality to to the younger people and then it gets back to people who have uh, you know have antibodies so we, we, we have to understand this first, how does this come, why all of a sudden is this, does this wave of morbidity and mortality shift, for example, why are the three waves, how do, do, we, uh, how do we explain this, and also how does it come that some people are naturally protected and uh, others are not what are these mechanisms what are these molecular mechanisms because if we make vaccines and all these things at the end of the day this is going to interact at the molecular level and we have not been understanding this i was just explaining we don't understand our weapon because we don't understand that prophylactic vaccines should not be used in the midst of an epidemic and we don't understand exactly what the virus is doing so we go to a war and we don't know our enemy, we don't understand the strategy of our enemy, and we don't know how our weapon works. I mean, how is how is that going to go? Uh, at so, the same so that is a fundamental problem to begin with.
0: I, I, I understand and I, I completely accept that. But at the same time, I am still thinking that if the governments don't respond in some way, because they have to be seen to be doing something, um what they seem to be in a lose lose situation if they don't do anything they're going to be criticized and if they do do something they're going to be criticized is that a fair statement to
1: make i don't think so what was this alt of uh what's the name of the guy hippocrates mhm you know first, the, alt?
0: the first do no harm
1: okay well i mean it wouldn't matter if you, if you start uh, vaccinating people and even it doesn't work. Problem is that we induce a long-lived antibody response. And as a matter of fact, we know, I mean, that is not my knowledge. It's all published. Problem is that we, we fail to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Fact is that these long-lived antibodies, which have high specificity, of course, for the, for the, for the virus, they outcompete our natural antibodies. Because they're natural antibodies, they have a very broad spectrum, but they have low affinity, right? And so by doing this, even if your antibodies don't work anymore because there is resistance, or you know that the strains are uh, too different from the original strain, we still this antibody, specific antibody, will still continue to outcompete your natural antibodies. And that is a huge problem because I was saying just a few minutes ago, these natural antibodies, they provide you with broad protection. This protection is, yes, it is variant, non-specific. It doesn't matter what variant you get. It doesn't even matter what type of coronavirus is coming in. They will protect you unless, of course, you suppress this level of innate immunity or it is, for example, outcompeted by uh, long-lived uh, specific antibodies. And so it's not like, okay, you know, you, you, you missed it. Uh, okay, let's try again. No, you did some harm. I mean, this is different from drugs. Immunizing somebody is installing a new software on your computer. Don't forget, I mean, these antibodies, they will be recalled every single time you're encountering a coronavirus, right? I mean, you, you cannot just erase this. So this is very serious. This is very so,
0: serious. So this is an important point, because when I was looking at some of the research around the challenges that they faced with the initial sars um, called the first epidemic, and they tried to develop the vaccines, one of the things they found, certainly when they tested it on the ferrets, was that when they exposed them to a coronavirus again, they got a very severe response to it. Is this what you're saying, that we are putting ourselves in a position where we can then have much more severe disease, even to viruses that should normally be quite benign?
1: Well, you know, you you see all my passion and my conviction, but I mean, I've been the last to criticize the vaccines uh, in terms of would they, in some regard, could they in some regard be unsafe because, you know, you would have even this exacerbation of disease uh, due to antibodies that doesn't match uh, very well with the uh, coronavirus they're exposed to, etc. I, I know there is, there is reports on this and there is a lot of, uh, you know, uh, serious thoughts about this. But um, I think what we are talking about right now the really the, the the epidemic or the pandemic problem of having a population that is at no point during the pandemic and to large extent due to our intervention has not a strong immune response i mean this is already serious enough this is this is more concerning than one or the other adverse event that could maybe elicit it. Uh, i'm not downplaying it But that could maybe be elicited because people have antibodies that do no longer match very well with the uh, strain they were uh, or with the strain they are exposed to. And therefore, you know, they build a complex. They don't neutralize the virus, they build a complex. And this complex could maybe even enhance viral entry into susceptible cells and hence lead to exacerbation of disease. I mean, this may be possible. But the problem I'm talking about is a global a global problem it's not an individual getting an adverse event it's a global problem of you know making this virus increasingly infectious because we leave it all the time a chance an opportunity to escape the immune system and to drive this so to to whip this up you know up to a level where the virus is so infectious that we can even no longer control it because i mean these highly infectious strains People, some people think, oh, the virus is going to calm down and it will insert a number of mutations, you know, just to be gentle and, and kind with us. That's not going to happen. I mean, this highly infectious strain remain. It is not going to be spontaneous mutations that all of a, of a, of a sudden uh, would become, you know, would, would make this virus again harmless because such a virus would have a competitive disadvantage. longer could, no, could not be dominant anymore. So that's not going to happen. So we're talking about a very, very, very serious problem here. So it, it,
0: I've, I've seen the question many times, and quite frankly, I get asked the questions. Um, we're coming to a point where people are going to have to take these vaccines. So that looks as though it's the reality, either in the context of work or in the context of travel. Based on what you're saying, they're in a, a lose-lose situation. Uh, what does what does this
1: mean? Well, what does this mean is very clear. It's very clear what this is going to mean. So let's uh, consider the consequences of this, both at a population level and at an individual level, because I would well understand if it, for the population it's maybe not the best thing to do. But, you know, on an individual level, it's still okay. Yeah, then it's not an easy that's not an easy question. But as a matter of fact, it's exactly the opposite. Well, it's not the opposite. It is detrimental both on a population level as on an individual level. And I'm telling you why I think the population level, I explained you, we are increasingly facing highly infectious strains that already right now we cannot control because basically what we are doing is that we are turning when we vaccinate somebody we are turning this person in a potential asymptomatic carrier that is shedding the virus. But at an individual level, I just told you that if you have these antibodies and at some point, and I'm sure this will people can challenge me on this, but, you know, reality will prove it. I think we are very close to vaccine resistance right now. And it's not for nothing that already people start developing, you know, new vaccines against the strains, et cetera. But what I was saying is that, okay, if you miss the shoot, okay, you could say nothing has happened. No, you are at the same time losing the most precious part of your immune system that you could ever imagine of, and that is your innate immune system. Because the innate antibodies, the natural antibodies, the secretory IgMs will be outcompeted by this antigen specific antibodies for binding to the virus. And that will be long lived. That is a long lived suppression. And you lose every protection against any viral variant or, or coronavirus variant, etc. So this means that you are left just with not, no single immune response. With your, your you know, you, you, it's none. Your imm- immunity has become nil. It's, it's all gone. The antibodies don't work anymore and your um, your innate immunity has been completely bypassed and, and this and this while highly infectious strains are circulating. So, I mean, if that isn't clear enough, I really don't get it and people mm-hmm. please do read my my you know what i posted because it's oh, yeah. science it's pure science pure science and and as everybody knows i'm a highly passionate vaccine guy right and and i've no criticism on the vaccines but please use the right vaccine at the right place and don't use it in the heat of a pandemic on millions of millions of people we are going to pay a huge price for this and I'm becoming emotional because I'm thinking of my children of the younger generation. I mean, it's, it's just impossible what we are doing. We don't understand the pandemic. We have been we have been turning it in an artificial pandemic. Who can explain who can explain where all of a sudden all this highly infectious strain come from? Nobody can explain this. I can explain it, but we, we have not been seeing this during previous pandemics. During natural pandemics, we have not been seeing it because at every single time there was the immunity was low enough so that the virus didn't need to escape. So back at the end of the pandemic, when things calmed down and it was herd immunity, it was still the same virus circulating. What we are now doing is that we are really chasing this virus and it becomes all you know increasingly, increasingly infectious. And I mean, this is just a, a situation that is completely, completely, uh, completely out of control. So it's also. We, 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 we are now getting plenty of asymptomatic shedders, you know, people who shed the virus, uh, because if they are vaccinated or they have even antibodies from previous disease, they can no longer control these highly infectious variants. So how does that come? Does anybody still understand the curves? I, I see all these top scientists looking at these curves, at these waves, like uh, somebody else is looking at the uh, currency rates at the stock market. All they can say is, oh, it goes up. It's, it's stabilizing. It may go down, it may go up, et cetera. I mean, that is not science. They don't have any clue. They don't even know whether the curve is going to go up exponentially or whether it's going to go down or whatever. They're completely lost. And that is extremely scary. That has been the point where I said, okay, guy, you have, you have to analyze, you have to, but, you know, these people are not listening. That is the problem. So you are, in effect,
0: putting your reputation on the line because you feel so passionately about this, because I guarantee you that no government, uh, no um, no health system is going to want to hear what you are saying. You are, in effect, um, almost giving fuel to the fire for an anti-vaxxer. Who doesn't
1: no, want no. the vaccine? No, no. Well, no, no, not yet. But because I, I, I've clearly also um, addressed uh, some emails from anti-vaxxers. I, I mean, I, I'm not interested. But I'm clearly uh, telling them that um, you know, it at this point, at this point, it, it's so irrelevant. You know, whether you're a pro-vaxxer or an anti-vaxxer, etc. It is about the science. It's about. It's about humanity right i mean let's let's not lose our time now with you know criticizing people or or you know i mean anti-vaxxer okay if you're not an anti-vaxxer you could be a stalker you could be you know we like to stigmatize because if you stigmatize people you don't need to bother about them anymore oh this guy's an anti-vaxxer okay i mean he's out of of the scope oh he's a stalker he's out of the scope i mean that that is a discussion that is completely irrelevant at this point yeah It's about humanity and of course, I'm passionate. Of course, I mean, it's about it's about your children. It's your family, it's my family, it's everyone. Right. And it's simply for me, I put everything at stake because I've done my homework. Right. And this is simply a moral obligation, a moral obligation. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Wow. Wow. I mean, there's very little one can say. As I said, when you position that you are in the business of developing vaccines and helping societies protect against infections through the use of vaccines, and in this circumstance, you are saying, hold it. We're doing the wrong thing here. It's very difficult to not listen to that. That's That's the truth.
1: Well, the the answer is very easy. I mean, this is human behavior, you know, we uh, if we have if we are, uh, you know, having panic, we do something and we try to make ourselves believe that it is the right thing to do till, you know, there is complete chaos and there is a complete disaster and Then people say, well, you know, I mean, yeah, politicians will probably say, uh, you know, we have been advised by the scientists and scientists, you know, will maybe point to somebody else. But this is now a situation I'm asking every single scientist to scrutinize, to look what I'm writing, to do to do the, the science and to study exactly the I call this the immune pathogenesis of the disease. And because, you know. I mean, I like I like people to do to do their homework. And if the science is wrong, you know, if I'm proven wrong, I will admit it. But I can tell you I'm not putting my career, my reputation at stake. I would not do this when I would not be 200 percent convinced. And it's not about me, not about uh, me at all. It's about humanity. People don't understand what is currently going on. And we have an obligation to explain this and i posted my paper on linkedin and i invite all independent scientists please to look at it because this can be easily understood by microbiologists immunologists geneticists you know uh, uh, plenty of you know biochemists etc cetera, etc cetera, all the biologists all these people who have elementary knowledge it's not rocket science elementary knowledge of biology should be able to understand this and i mean i can only appeal to these people you know to stand up as independent scientists and to voice you know their opinion
0: yes 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 i mean that was a long point that somebody put on about the innate immune response um uh, over the falls reacting of the innate immune response leading to detrimental effects on other in other coronaviruses so i i i think you have expressed this so well Egert. is that um I think that just hearing your explanation, the passion, the focus on the science, I think that that's as much as you can do. I think that, um, I I don't even want to say any more because I don't want to lose that passion that you have just expressed, how much you are doing in terms of trying to see if you can make a difference with regards to the impact that we are having in this pandemic. You know, we really, really appreciate that, Gert. We really, really appreciate that. I hope enough people um, shares this, listens to it, certainly because I'm connected with a lot of scientists. Please um, connect with Gert, take a look at his paper, and, um, and see what you think. And as you said, let's make decisions based on science. That's the best that we can do at this point wonderful just stay on the line there we're just going to close off now Gert so thank you again very very much Gert and um, I hope maybe we can speak again in the near future to expand a little bit further on what you have said
1: thanks for having me on
0: wonderful